Turn with me to uh, Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. I'm going to continue to explain and unpack fasting. Oh, thank you so much. When you're hungry, you're thirsty too. Thanks, Jonah, for hearing from the Holy Ghost. It was Laura. (laughs) Where was I? Oh, Isaiah 58. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I have a very good dear friend of mine. His name's Chris Johnson. And he was the vice principal of a school. My wife was a librarian there, and I was a pastor at this huge church. And we had about 500 students in the junior high and the high school and uh, Chris Johnson was the vice principal but, and the dean of, men, uh, dean of men, but he was also the football coach. And Chris Johnson, uh, was, he played for the Vikings. And he said, he used to tell us, he said, if I can go and fast during NFL training camp, anybody can fast. So this guy's so crazy. That he fasted during NFL training camp with the Vikings. So he can do it, right? Anybody can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And I promise you this. God will move so mightily in your life that that you'll, you'll fall in love with fasting. I know, well, maybe the third or fourth day you won't be that in love with it. But when it's over and you see what God has done in your life and how God has moved in the community and the church and our families when, with our friends and in our loved ones in our personal life seeking personal holiness with God. And that's one of my greatest cries this week is, God, I want, I want to be holier than I've ever been. I want serious personal holiness in my life. And so I'm seeking the Lord for these things. And so uh, in, in being a, uh, the pastor that wants everybody to explain why we fast and while it's healthy to fast, and of course we all know there's great physical benefits in fasting too, and so there's, there, there's spiritual benefits, there's physical benefits, there's, there's emotional, mental benefits, there's, there's, there's uh, things that God does in our family and, and in our communities, and so the three things that we're really going to focus on is we're going to focus on our church. Uh, I want to see personal revival flow through this church, in, in, in corporately and personally. And then the second thing we're going to uh, focus on is our community. We want to see our community, we want to see people saved and rescued and delivered, right, from uh, different things in uh, our community that, that, that bind the spiritual strongholds and sin and different issues in our community. And then the third thing we're going to fast for is our country. Our country's never been more divided and hateful and out of control um, and we just want to see God. I mean, could you imagine if like the third great awakening swept through our nation while we were fasting? I mean, it's possible. Often, you know, but what, what does the Bible say, right? When my people are called by my name fast, right? What happens, right? Call upon me and fast and pray. What happens? God shows up. God does things. God, God heals lands. And we've seen that throughout history as well. And and it was Billy Graham who would actually send a prayer team to to the place where he was going to go. He would send the prayer team out 30 days before. And uh, uh, Charles Finney would do the same. He'd send Praying Nash 30 days before, and Praying Nash would build a team, and they would fast for 30 days. And then when he came, when Charles Finney came into the, or Billy Graham shows up, it's so covered and saturated in prayer and fasting that what happens? Those guys sneeze and people get saved, Right? 
people get delivered. I mean, you know, we just see God move like that. And so Isaiah 58, 6, I mean, yeah, 58, 6, it says this. It says, is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? I don't think there's anybody in here that can't identify with at least one of those things that we just read there. Amen? I mean, I don't know about you, but man, to, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens. Maybe there's, there's a trial or a situation or a sickness or a problem or a financial deal or, or, or whatever it may be in your life right now. You have this heavy burden that you just need to have undone or, or to, to, to let the oppressed go free. Maybe it's a wayward child or, 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 or spouse that doesn't know the Lord or a neighbor or whatever it may be or Maybe you feel oppressed by, by something. Maybe it's, maybe you're oppressed by depression or you're oppressed by hopelessness or despair or oppressed by a, an addiction or whatever it may be, right? I mean, something that God might want to touch your life with and then, and then that you break every yoke. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's my hope and prayer, and I've been praying all morning, and I prayed all day yesterday, that God would release you and, and, and the, the yoke that you may be under, that he may deliver you from yourself and do a mighty thing in your life. Now, last time we looked at fasting, there's four things that we looked at. Fasting in the Old Testament and the New Testament wasn't a suggestion. It was a part of life. Number two, fasting is a powerful tool that God has given us to seek Him and can bring us great reward. And prayer and fasting, number three, can rekindle and rejuvenate your first love. You can go back and get the tape or you can listen online. And then the fourth thing is repentance and surrender. And then this week... We kind of looked at it a little bit. Number five, fasting enables the Holy Spirit to reveal our true spiritual condition. And when God shows us who we really are, right, that, 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 we're, that we're in need of a Savior, not only in need of a Savior, but we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And, and then God brings that into our lives as we pray and we fast and we, and we repent and we're in brokenness. God transforms our lives. As we examine our hearts and we say, God, look at my heart. Is there anything in me that is displeasing to you? And God begins to reveal those things and he begins to cleanse us and heal us. And we begin to lay it at his feet and we say, God, here, we're, I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deny myself because that's what fasting is, guys, denying yourself, right? And we lay that aside and God begins to do magnificent things in our lives and he begins to show us our true condition. And one of my favorite characters in the Bible is Daniel. Daniel, a eunuch, never lost sight of God. He was a man of prayer. He was a man of fasting. And, and he had the worst conditions happen to him. He was taken as a little 13 or 14 year old little boy. And he was sold into slavery. Yet he purposed in his heart not to defile God. And he was a man of prayer. And when I pray over my kids, I always say, God, would you make my kids a men of prayer like Daniel? <laughs> like Daniel. 
Make them people of prayer like Daniel. And Daniel, it said in the Bible, it, it's only one of the other, only other guys is Abraham in all of Scripture that you see these things said about him. It says that he is beloved of God. And he goes, Daniel, my friend, God calls him. He was a friend of God. And in Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, here's Daniel fasting. And I look at Daniel, I go, this guy has got nothing to repent over, man. This guy's got nothing to ask forgiveness for. Yet here is Daniel's prayer. It says, so I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and in petition in fasting in sackcloth and ashes. That's humility. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Verse 5, we have sinned, done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, and turned away from your commands and ordinances. Daniel understood his spiritual condition. The mighty man of God, loved of God, beloved of God, friend of God, fasted and prayed and sought the Lord. And I think a lot of times we think there's just, we have sins of commission, those that we do outwardly, right? But there's also sins of omission, not discipling your kids, not pouring into your marriage and investing in your marriage, not using your time, treasure, and talents for the local church and for God's people and for the gospel. And we have these other sins as sins of omission that we, that we push away, right? That, that, that we don't really see or the things that we're not really sharing our faith or doing. And we call those sins of omission. And God begins to reveal those to us when we begin to repent and we begin to seek the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And God begins to do amazing things and he begins to retake every area of your life and he begins to renew every area of your life. And I don't know about you, but I need some areas of my life that need retaking. And I, need, I have some areas of my life that need renewing. Amen? Am I alone? We can always love our wives better or our husbands better. We can always disciple our kids and invest our, in our kids' life better. We can all, there's things that we can do. And so God begins to cleanse us and restore us and retake those areas and renew us. And, and now God has full control of our lives. And now when God has full control of our lives, we're able to hear from Him. And we're able to discern His will and know what He wants us to do. And I don't know about you, but when God speaks to you, and you hear Him, and you don't have to wonder what His will is for your life, you actually know what His will is for your life, and you begin to walk in it. And God reclaims every area, and you begin to take territory for Him, and all of a sudden, the abundant life begins to manifest itself in your life as you surrender to Him. And confess to Him. And believe in Him. And trust in Him. And those things that used to dominate your life and dominate your thinking no longer do. God dominates your life and God dominates your thinking. And Jesus leads you and shows you His will and lavishes His love on you and, and, and retakes those areas that, that, that are under the yoke of bondage that you've been under and your, the oppressed areas in your life. And all those things that Isaiah 58, 6 begins to promise begin to happen. Joy fills your life. Peace fills your life. 
When's the last time you experienced inexpressible joy at all times? When's the last time that you, no matter what happens or the circumstance or the problem or the situation that happens in your life, you experience God's peace in your life? And I've been by a lot of people's bedsides when they're dying. And I can always tell those people that have submitted their lives to the Lord and allowed the Lord to retake and renew their lives because they look at life so differently and they are so filled with inexpressible joy. And so we allow God to take that terrible burden of always having to have things our own way and we give it to him and he takes he overcomes our passions and our desires and we regain our self-control guys fasting is a gift number six fasting helps us unquench and ungrieve the holy spirit as we seek his face unabandoned the Holy Spirit begins to fill every facet of our life. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 says, Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, all of you have been camping. Most of you have been camping or been around a campfire, right? What happens when the fire begins to die out, right? When you leave a campground, you what? You pour water on it and you quench it, right? You put it out. But God, what God is saying is he's saying, do not quench the Holy Spirit with our, with our sin and our own selfish desires and our passions and our ways. What we do is, is we add fire to it. And what fasting helps us do is it helps us unquench those areas in our life where we've quenched the fire of God in our life. And God sends his fire down upon his people as they pray and they fast. And he ignites that fire within you. When's the last time that you've been on fire for the Lord? Was it when you first got saved? We all kind of have that, right? We get saved, <laughs> right? And we're on fire for the Lord. And then we kind of get that, 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 that Christian habit thing going, you know? We just do the motions and all of a sudden that fire is no longer inside of us. Or we begin to take back sins or, or go back into the world what God has delivered us from and taken us out of. And what happens is, is all of a sudden we begin to quench the Holy Spirit in our lives. And God no longer is able to manifest His power and His might and His fire through our lives. And the same thing, grieving the Holy Spirit is really no different than quenching the Holy Spirit. It says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, And do not grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. So the Spirit comes to us as a fire, either to be fanned into fame or to be doused out and extinguished, but it also says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit when we sin. or It can be as, as something as simple as, as, as having bitterness towards your spouse or, or, or always having anger or, or lack of patience with your children, lack of self-control in your life, the, that's the things that could come in your life. And guys, if you really want the Holy Spirit to dominate your life, to be controlled and led and guided by the Holy Spirit like Jesus was, And fast with us and lay those 
things at Jesus' feet and ask him to fill you with himself. You have the same power that lives inside of you that raised Christ from the dead. I call that resurrection power. The Bible calls it resurrection power. It's Romans 8.11. The same power that lives inside of you raised Christ from the dead. And so we, we fast and we seek the Lord and we say, God, I want you to, 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 to rekindle that fire in my life where I've grieved the Holy Spirit. I want you to fill me and, and, and Lord, come upon me with your Holy Spirit. And I think it was D.L. Moody that says the reason why we have to ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit is because we leak. Right? And so God comes and he begins to take control of our lives and lead us and guide us. I love a quote from Richard Foster, and I, <clears throat> when I read Richard Foster, I, I will say this, that I don't agree with everything that he teaches or says, but there's some things that he has that are absolutely phenomenal, and if you're a mature believer, I think you can chew up the meat and spit out the bones, but this quote is fascinating. He says, more than any other discipline, and I completely agree with him, fasting <clears throat> Reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. If you're a believer, I can't, I can't possibly believe that you don't want to be transformed into the image of Christ. We cover up what is inside of us with food and other good things, but in fasting, the, these things surface. If pride controls us, it will be revealed almost immediately. Anger, jealousy, strife, fear, if they are within us, they will surface during fasting. At first, we will rationalize that our anger is due to our hunger. Then we will realize that we are angry because the spirit of anger is within us. We can rejoice in this knowledge because we know that healing is available through the power of Jesus Christ. Anything worth having, guys, anything worth having is going to take hard work. Anything worth having is going to take a denial of something else to make it happen. And so when we fast and when we seek the Lord, we allow God to take that pride and that strife and that anger and that self-seeking and those things that, and maybe it's lust in some of you, your lives, or maybe it's, uh, 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 maybe it is a food issue in some of your lives. Maybe it's, I don't know, it could be anything. And we allow God to do amazing things in our life. And so that is why I think this week, if you will join us, will be the most powerful experience of your life. And like I said before, if my friend Chris Johnson from the Vikings can fast during NFL training camp, I think anybody can fast during anything, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, that, that guy is kind of crazy, though, but I love him. He's awesome. I think maybe I'll have him come preach sometime. You guys will love him. He's awesome. Matter of fact, I think, I think that was from the Lord. I think I'm going to bring him. Number seven. <clears throat> God will give you a greater desire for his word and his truth will become more meaningful in your life and ministry. Do you have a hunger for God's word? Do you open up the scriptures every morning and say, God, help me see wondrous things in your word. 
God, I know this is, I know this is the love letter to me that you wrote to me. This is, this is the, God's relentless pursuit for you from Genesis to Revelation. His words of life spoken so that you can in, experience Jesus' life. I don't know how a Christian can possibly get by without this book, without eating it and partaking of it and enjoying it. You know what? If, if, you have, if you're in a dry season with the Word of God right now, here's what I encourage you to do. First of all, come pray and fast with us, but ask God to show you wondrous things in your Word. Ask God to make you fall in love with His Word because this Word, Jesus is the Word, the living Word of God, and Jesus is who we serve, and it's who we worship, it's who we praise, and so when we go to this Word, Jesus will speak to you through the power of His Holy Spirit. Don't miss out. You cannot, man cannot, Jesus even himself said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so here's his love letter available to you. You probably have five or six versions sitting in your house right now. You probably have a hundred versions on your phone. And so as we pray and fast, I, I'm going to go through Psalm 119. I love Psalm 119. It says this, it says, a, a chunk of Psalm 119. Look at a taste of the promises of God's word. Psalm 119.9 says, how can a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed according to your word. That's powerful. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. That's good stuff right there. You want to know God's character? You want to know God's will? You want to know God's attributes? You want to know his thoughts and his desires and his direction and his map and his instruction for your life? Go to the word of God. And so if you do not have a desire for the Word of God, here's what I want to encourage you with. Come and fast and pray and say, God, I have lost my first love. I have lost a love for your Word. It no longer excites me. It no longer compels me. It no longer, it no longer keeps me on the edge of my seat. Light a fire, Lord, for your Word. And I love that. It burns away the dross and breaks the hard areas. Jeremiah 23, 29 says this. Is this not... My, is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces? Wow. Talk about a promise in God's word, right? A fire. Burn away the dross. Those things that aren't of God. Those things that are keeping you from experiencing everything that God has for you. He will burn it away through his word and his Holy Spirit. And then he'll take that hammer, that hard heart, that, 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 the hard heart, that area that you've built around your heart, that you're protecting your, you, that's, that's protecting all that God has for you to pound it away and soften your heart so that you can receive all that God has for you. How many of you want to receive all that God has for you, right? And it's a promise from God that you can have it. He's saying, here it is. Take it. It's for the taking. I want to bless you. I want to encourage you. I want to love you. I want to pour my compassion and my mercy out upon you. I am madly in love with you and I've written a love letter to you. Come on a journey with me and enjoy me and taste and see 
that I am good. And I've seen Christians that have been Christians 30 years. And I've seen Christians that have been Christians a year. And the Christian that's been in his word for the first year of his walk is sometimes more mature than somebody that's walked with Jesus for 30 years but has not partaken and read and studied and fell in love with the word of God. God, I just pray right now. Your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Able to pierce bone and marrow. Soul and spirit. And as a discerner of the heart. God, your word is able to... All scripture is God-breathed. And it's good for correction and, and rebuke and encouragement and I just pray that on, the, on your people right here, right now, God. That your holy scriptures would begin to refine them and change them and renew their minds and their hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. And that's my prayer for you this week. <laughs> that you would align your will with his and that you would see God do amazing things things. Number eight, fasting can transform your prayer life and bring personal and corporate revival. Fasting brings personal revival and it's brought national revival. Fasting can heal families. It can heal nations. Fasting can heal lives. It's not a magic wand, guys, but God gives it to us as a spiritual discipline and a gift. And he says, come and watch me move. And I mean, even Jesus fasted, guys. Remember when he was up on the Mount of Transfiguration? And he's up there with Peter, James, and John. And all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah, they show up and they're talking with Jesus, right? Representing, I mean, this is, this is cool, right? Representing the law and the prophets right there is, is Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. And, and the other three guys, are, they say a bunch of stupid stuff. And all of a sudden, what does God say? He said, this is my son. Hear him, Right? And then Jesus goes down off the Mount of Transfiguration, and there's this demon-possessed kid right there. And the, the disciples had already been sent out two by two, and they'd already cast demons out of people and healed people and laid hands on people, and they'd already seen God move miracles, move mountains in their lives. They, they'd seen God do radical revival through their lives, yet they could not, they could not cast the demon out of this kid. Jesus comes, obviously, right, and has this interaction with this dad, and, and Jesus asks, do you believe? And the, the man says, I believe, will you help my unbelief? And maybe that's what you need to pray this week. God, I believe, but help my unbelief, right? So Jesus, he, he, he casts the demon out of this kid. This kid becomes completely whole, and then what happens? The disciples ask him later, what happened? How come we couldn't do anything? And what does Jesus say? He said, this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. The implication there is Jesus had been praying and fasting. And because Jesus prays and fasts, he saw revival. Jesus was revival. Jesus is revival. He can revive your life. He can revive this nation. He can revive this church. Because he is revival. And so the implication there is Jesus had been praying and fasting. 
It was a discipline in his life. So when he came face to face with whatever demons are in your life, personal demons, <laughs> financial demons, whatever it may be, Jesus was able to cast it out. Supernatural revival. When circumstances come up in our life, we're able to overcome it and have the power to deal with it, even the demonic. And Jesus correlated it to prayer and fasting. How many of you need personal revival in your life right now? How many of you need a touch from God? A physical touch, a mental touch, an emotional touch, a spiritual touch from God? How many of you know that there's something lacking and something missing in your life right now? Jesus lived in the constant state of personal and national revival because everywhere Jesus went, miracles happened. How many of you want to live like that? You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're a blood-bought saint of God. He's madly in love with you. He says, greater things will you do than I did. Greater things together that you will do than I did. I don't know about you, but I want to experience the supernatural of God. I want to see his Holy Spirit fall upon this place and we see the Shekinah glory and the glory of God and God begins to transform people's lives and heal their lives and, 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 and begin to use you in such a powerful way that every day you wake up and say, what do you got today, God? What are you going to do today, God? What are you going to do through me today, God? I think I've shared this story before, but it just came to my mind, and it's classic because it, it makes complete sense, right? So when I was in the mission field, uh, I was working at um, doing uh, these huge uh, events in Mexico. And so I, I would live in Mexico for like six to nine months, and then I'd come home for like three months and then go back out on the field again as these things moved to different cities. And I lived in four different, five different cities in Mexico, and I would, I would go on this circuit. And what we'd do is we'd, do, uh, we'd build medical clinics and orphanages and houses for, for retired pastors, but we'd also do these huge events in the soccer stadium. We'd give out food and, and bring medical uh, supplies to hospitals. And it was just an incredible, mighty work of God. And the Holy Spirit would show up. But when I went home, I would work for my dad for three months and try to get a little money. Um, and he was in water industry. He was in wastewater and he was in um, uh, drinking water, and uh, he sold chemicals to wastewater treatment plants and, and water treatment plants. And one day I called on one of my dad's clients, and I show up, and um, I show up about 8 o'clock, and the, guy, the, the head guy of the wastewater treatment plant comes up to me. He goes, Gary, you're never going to guess what happened today. And I'm like, what? He's like, well, I show up this morning about 6 o'clock, and 
in the, at this wastewater treatment plant, there was this gorgeous pond. It had flowers planted all around it. It had these gorgeous, huge oak trees all around it. And, and uh, Canadian geese were swimming in it. It even had a little dock out on it and everything. And, and he goes, I showed up this morning, and there was this girl doing laps in the pond today. And I walk up to her, and I tell her to get out. And by the way, she, she's swimming with nothing on, okay? And he's like, he, he's like, uh, why are you swimming in a wastewater pond? And so he takes her and he puts her under the, the um, they, they have a shower there with uh, uh, disinfectant, you know, it's, a, it's an emergency shower, and he puts her under there and he showers her off and, and he says, you know, you're swimming in wastewater, basically. Sewage, let's be honest. Poop, okay? I mean, poop and pee, disgusting, Right? So he tells her, and, and she's like mortified, right? And, but the next day he shows up, and she was swimming in it again. No, she wasn't. She wasn't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do you think she ever went back there to swim in that again? No, of course she didn't. Then why do we as Christians continue to swim in our sin, in our sewage, in our garbage, when God has taken us and he's had us stand under the disinfecting shower and allowed the shower to cleanse us by his blood and you have been set free, you're no longer in bondage, you're no longer a slave to sin, you have been set free by the blood of Christ and Christ alone. And so God gives us personal revival from the second you're saved and you can either walk in it or you can continue to go back and swim in that pond. And I don't know about you, but I want God to show up in this church and I want personal revival and I want corporate revival and I would like to see national revival show up. And if the, my people who are called by my name will call upon me, I will move change the world. So fasting can transform your prayer life, but also bring personal and corporate revival. Number nine, maybe you need justice. Maybe you need to fast for justice. Turn with me to Luke 18. It might be on the screen. I don't remember if, I made a, if we made a slide for that one or not. Never mind. Now he told them a parable, Jesus, on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. And I know there's some of you in this room right now that we've been praying for justice against a very serious adversary. Prayed personally for you. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I do not fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's an invitation. 
That's an invitation from the Most High God to come persistently pleading with the Lord. Asking the Lord to do mighty things. Powerful things. You're a victim of persistent prayer. I'm a victim of persistent prayer. I can remember walking in my grandmother, 10 years old. She's on her face by the bed while she's watching us while my parents are out of town. And I would say, Grandma, what are you doing? She said, I'm praying for you, your brother, and your father, and all three of us know Jesus Christ now. And we were hellions then. She never gave up until her dying breath. She never got to see the fruit of her prayers. And it was the same thing with George Mueller, and, and, and uh, he prayed for a friend of his for 60 years and never got to see it until the funeral of George Mueller where the guy gave his life to the Lord. And George says he prayed for him day and night, never gave up. Isn't that amazing? Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Continue to pray. Continue to fast. Continue to seek the Lord. Like I shared with you, I fasted every day Thursday for my little brother, and I prayed Isaiah 38, uh, 58, 6, and 2 Timoth uh, Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 26, release him from the captive of the enemies, and it took 18 months before the Lord moved and then moved mightily in my brother's life. He wants to move. Finally, uh, you can fast to get direction. I think I shared this last time, but I prayed. My wife and I decided to pray uh, whether we, uh, this was God's will for us to get married, and we began to pray and fast. And before I talked to her mom and dad about marrying her, um, God had already spoke during that week of prayer and fasting that my wife prayed and fasted. God spoke to uh, her sister and her mother and said that, that I was going to ask to marry her. We were just friends at the time. They didn't know. They didn't have a clue. But the Lord showed them and revealed to them why we were praying and fasting that I was going to marry her and that they were going to give me their blessing. The dad gave me his blessing. Arthur Wallace in his book, God Chosen Fast, and you can get one of those books out there. I believe we have some, if I'm not mistaken. I think they're 10 bucks or 15 bucks, whatever we paid for them. God's chosen fast is fasting is calculated to bring a note of urgency and importance into our praying and to give force to our pleading in the court of heaven. The man who prays with fasting is giving heaven notice that he is truly in earnest. Not only so, but he is expressing his earnestness in a divinely appointed way. He is using a means that God has chosen to make his voice to be heard on high. God hears, God sees, God knows. And so we seek him and we can get direction. My friend, George Clarier, I've shared a few stories about him. He planted that church in um, St. Petersburg, Russia. And his grandmother and grandfather were missionaries in Haiti. And when they retired in their late 70s back to the United States, George went out to plant this church. And they didn't have much money. They were missionaries. They'd never really put too much money into Social Security or anything. And they, they were literally 
poor and destitute, and yet they would fast two days a week for George and take the money that they would have spent on food to send to him so that he could plant that church in St. Petersburg, Russia. And that church became the biggest church, uh, Christian church in Russia uh, at that time. And God moved. It's awesome to see surrender. Last, and then I promise this is the last one, close with this. Fasting for protection. Spiritual protection, physical protection. Protection from whatever, from, this, from what might be coming in this country towards Christians. God loves to answer those prayers. Ezra 8.21 says this, I proclaimed a fast, Ezra, here's Ezra praying, I proclaimed a fast by the Ahava River so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask Him for a safe journey for us, our dependence, and all our possessions. I did this, I was, uh, excuse me, I did this because I was ashamed to ask the king for infantry and cavalry to protect us from our inter- enemies. You got to understand, crossing that much distance with all the pirates and raiders and thieves and, and armies and nations, I mean, it's a big deal where they were going from, from, from uh, uh, media all the, uh, uh, all the way to, from Persia, basically, the area where Iran and Iraq are right now, all the way to Jerusalem. And here's awesome. The hand of our God is gracious to all who seek him. That's a promise. The hand of God is gracious to all who seek him. But his fierce anger is against all who abandon him. So we fasted and pleaded with our God about this. And he was receptive to our prayers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Amen? I don't know what one of those things that you need right now. I'm going to read Isaiah 58, 6 again. You can identify with one of these, like I said in the beginning. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. I don't know which one of those you may need. And here's what I want to encourage you with. If you only fast dinner and come at night, even if, you, even if you're fasting from something else or if you're on a juice fast, I don't, whatever it may be, I'd encourage you to take a step of faith and fast with us all week. My NFL buddy could do it. You can do it. But if, if, it's a, if it's a difficulty uh, for you, the first time I ever fasted was for five days. First, right out of the gate. The only thing that was killer was the coffee. Man, I missed it. Oh, headache, hungover from coffee. Have you ever been hungover from coffee? I didn't realize how addicted I was to the stuff, right? You can do it. Maybe it's just breakfast. Maybe it's just lunch. For me, it was a Thursday for my brother for 18 months before God moved in his life. Whatever you may need, whatever you may need God to do in your life, I would encourage you, lay aside social media for the week. Good luck with that one, right? I double-dogged area on that one. And even if you're not fasting, here's what I'd encourage you to do. Please come and pray with us. We're going to take communion together. We're going to worship the Lord together. We're going to pray together. Uh, One of the things that we take our youth group over to is Tuesday nights at Brave, uh, the first Tuesday of every month, because there are a thousand people praying and seeking the Lord and worshiping at that church. And God is moving mightily, and they're seeing people saved and baptized. And by the way, we have a baptism on February 28th. I think think we're up to five people now. If you want to get baptized, 
February 28th. Uh, we're going to have a barbecue, church barbecue, and a baptism. So we really invite you to come and join us for that. But here's what I just want to invite you guys. Invite, if you, if you can show up at 7 in the morning here to pray, if you can show up here at noon to pray. Uh, otherwise, we'll be meeting here every night at 6.30, starting tonight all the way till Thursday. And we're going to seek the Lord. We're going to lay hands on people. We're going to ask for God to move in your families. We're going to ask God to move in your health. We're going to ask God to move uh, uh, in your life spiritually and to do a wondrous things in your life. Amen? So please join us. Uh, we'll be back to our relationship uh, series um, next week, but would you, would you consider at least uh, taking a day and fasting and praying and seeking the Lord and seeing what God does in your life is going to be absolutely incredible. Um, I, I, I can't even begin to tell you uh, the wondrous things, the supernatural things that he's going to do in this church and in your life. Amen? So as the worship team comes forward, we're going to uh, take communion together and then we'll receive this morning's tithes and offerings and we'll continue our worship. God bless you guys.